Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Amen. No longer slaves, so uh, last week God will shared on freedom from religion, on freedom from legalism. And uh, I listened to the, the word. It was impactful. It was powerful. I trust that you also received something amazing from that. I'll share a quick recap from that. But just uh, on this series, just to kind of as a mean of introduction for this morning message, and to just introduce the series again, um, No Longer Slaves, and the song that we sang this morning, it's amazing. Uh, it was powerful. And as we sang this song, Obviously, um, the title didn't come necessarily from that, from the song, from the title of No Longer Slaves, um, but I know there's a lot of application to that, and one of the things that's really important and vital for us to, to walk in freedom is to understand that we are children of God. Because imagine this for a moment, when, when Chris or Michael, those are my two sons, Chris is now um, 21 months, going on to 22 months old, and then uh, Michael is five months, going on to six months old. And Chris, for example, he can move around. When he comes into this room and he's in my arms, there's nothing he fears. He'll do the craziest of crazy things to the point where he'll fall out of my arms, but he doesn't care because he knows I'll catch him. And for us to walk in freedom, we need to know whose we are. We are children of God. And this is one of the, 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 the key uh, train of thoughts that will filter through all of the messages continually is whose we are. We are children of God. You are a child of God. He's your father. You get to call him Abba Father. And as Chris grows up and he gets to know me more, my nature, my character, by default, Chris will start acting like me, talking like me, doing things like I do. He's already doing that. He's pulling his eyebrows like I do when I'm serious. Like he's, <laughs> it's amazing. And he's not, he's not, I'm not teaching him those things per se. I'm living a life. And that's the amazing thing with Ephesians 5 verse 1 from the message translation. It beautifully uh, uh, kind of illustrates this point. And the, the, the message translation says something about this. Um, look what your father does. Look. And see what your father does. All he does is love you. Do that. And so as we behold who we are, whose we are, by default it will start changing how we act and how we respond to things. And that is the simplicity of Christianity. Religion, and God will talk about this last week, religion and legalism has put a lot of hurdles in front of us. Saying you have to jump over this, you have to jump this high. When you kind of fall down, then you have to kind of regather a few things. You have to kind of uh, uh, plead with God. You have to uh, uh, um, do all kinds of weird things just to kind of, again, get into God's good books. And God will share this uh, scripture, Galatians 20, or Galatians 2 verse 21 from the easy to read version. says, um, let's see here quickly. Um, I'm not the one destroying the meaning of God's grace. I'm not the one destroying the meaning of God's grace. If following the law is how people are made right with God, then Christ did not have to die. If following the law is how people are made right with God, then Christ did not have to die. 
following or keeping the law as a way to be right with God does not bring freedom. It cannot bring freedom. That's not the purpose, and God will talk about that a little bit. That was not the purpose of the law. In contrary, following or trying to appease God by your actions, by what you do or what you don't do, trying to be right with God based on your performance, based on your works, will in contrary actually bring you bondage, will make you a slave. That is what Paul is explaining to us here in Galatians, in the whole letter to the church of Galatia, because people were kind of, they, they, they came from Judah, uh, uh, being Jews, and then they became Christians, and so they were Christian Jews, and, and they were still kind of fighting and thinking like, this is needed, you need to be circumcised, and these people, and then Paul writes and he says like, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, who has tricked you into thinking that one moment you are free from the law, then the next moment, not long from you receiving the truth, you kind of go back and like, oh, let's rather maybe do this again. And Colossians 2 verse 6 beautifully also portrays this and explains this. To, and he says like, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? There's only one way. Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. One way. There's only one way. And it's by grace through faith. His grace. His free gift and you responding to that. Receiving that. That is the only way that you get to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. And as you receive that by grace through faith. Colossians 2.6. Continue to walk in Him. By grace through faith. I'm going to be a father. In the way that I father my children. It's by grace through faith. The way that I'm going to treat my wife, it's by grace through faith. The way that I'm going to go about all areas of my life is by grace through faith. By grace, what has He done for me by faith? Me responding to that. Me choosing to believe that beyond anything else. That is what faith is. Faith is responding to and believing, agreeing with what God says. That is faith in its simplest form. Faith isn't something that you build up. It's not like a muscle that you build up. It's ultimately just surrender. Believing what God says about you. Believing what God did on your behalf through Jesus. So this morning we're going to look at an awesome topic of freedom. And it's freedom from sin and death. And this is really such a... God will touch on a little bit of it last week. But we're going to get into it and kind of really... Uh, put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, that you come to really know that you've been set free from sin and death. Death is something that so much of the world is fearing. I can remember when I was a little boy, um, where it was definitely one of those things. Like I, I'm sure all of you have gone through that, where you think about death, and you maybe see death in movies, and you, you're unsure about, like, okay, cool, what then, what's after death? And not being sure leaves fear in your heart. Not being sure... Man, what happens after death? How is death going to feel? Like, It puts about a fear in your heart. And a lot of the world is living in that fear. But praise God, we don't need to fear death because death is not the end. We don't need to fear death because death is not the end. So let's look at what does it mean to be free from sin and death. Romans chapter 4 from verse 6. 
Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Man, the, like the word that I shared with the, with the bencher this morning, really that the words that God is declaring over you, you are righteous. There's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. This is God's words to us, that we are righteous. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Say enough. God's work is enough, apart from our works. Verse 7, here's what David says. Now remember, this is David, Old Testament. Before Jesus came to die, before the message of grace was made plain, was, was kind of revealed in its entirety, this is what David writes. And he says, what happy fulfillment. What is fulfillment? It's completeness. What happy completeness, what happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven and whose sins are covered by blood. What happy progress comes to, uh, to them when they heard the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. This is powerful. Now, so here Paul is quoting, and he's writing to, uh, to, the, to the believers in Rome, and he's writing and he's quoting from Psalm 32 where David is writing these words and he's expressing them. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven. What happy fulfillment for those who... Who, uh, uh, who hears that the Lord will never hold our sins against us. How long is never? Never is never. It's not like there's no time, there's no measurement to never. Never is unending. How did we fall into the trap of thinking that when we come to receive Christ, up until that moment where we say, yes, Lord, yes, Jesus, those sins are forgiven. And then from there going forward, uh, not so much. I have to kind of do a few things to make sure that they are forgiven. I have to repent. If I forget about repenting, then those sins, like, oh, it's, it's maybe not going to cut it. Here's, a, here's a, an awesome truth that will, will bless you as well. The word repent doesn't talk about speaking. The word repent isn't talking about asking. The word repent means change of belief. It's got nothing to do with what you say. It's got nothing to do with what you ask. So when the Bible talks repent, it's got nothing to do with asking God for forgiveness. It's got everything to do with you changing your mind. And Luke, I believe it's the Gospel of Luke, that writes and it says, Repent, believe the Gospel. True repentance is believing the gospel. Becoming convinced of Jesus, what He's done for you and the Spirit of God in you. That is true repentance. Because if you change your mind, your thinking, your life will be changed. And specifically when you change your mind and thinking to align with God's finished complete work, that is what will bring life transformation. And it's a process. It's not just a, oh, that's amazing, boom, life transformation. It's a continuation of choosing to believe the word above your circumstances. Continuing to believe that 
God is faithful even when you're not faithful. God's word is true even when this world is falling apart and it's not showing the word of God. And I'm not experiencing it. The Christian life is a life of choosing to believe the word of God above anything else. Coming back to David. David is a guy, for those of you who don't know the story of David, he's not just a guy who who threw the, the stone at Goliath's head and took him down and then cut off his head. David is also the guy, by the way, who committed adultery with Bathsheba. Adultery is sleeping with another man's wife. Or with another man. Or na- <laughs> You guys get it, vice versa. And so this is that same guy and then orchestrating the death of that very guy. So yes, David had some good qualities, right? And then he had some horrible qualities. Yet what does David say? What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven? Those who hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. But we all know that it's, easy to, it's easier to be forgiving of someone else than to be forgiving of ourselves. Because we live with ourselves. And the enemy, Satan, is very good at making us feel condemned. Because when we go to bed, we're sitting, <coughs> when we go to bed, we're sitting with our own thoughts. And if you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know that God is not holding your sin against you, you will become sick of your self-condemnation. It will make you sick. It will make you hesitant to to experience God, to to be used by God. Condemnation will prevent you from being confident and bold when someone else needs to hear about Jesus, when someone else needs to receive healing for something. Condemnation will prevent you from stepping out and saying, Father, it's not by my works or my goodness that your Spirit is living in me. It's not by my works or my goodness that your Spirit can touch this person and bring about change in their life. That's why it's the greatest handicap to the Christian church. It's condemnation, not knowing that we have got freedom from sin and death. What does David say? Psalm 103 verse 12 from the easy to read version. And he has taken our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. So how far is the east from the west? It's funny, I ministered this uh, from the scripture at a primary school once at the Brockenfell. And uh, I asked who's the, who's the smartest guy in the room. And the grade seven, I put his hand up. Two put their hand up, so I don't know what's happening there. Um, they're probably still kind of uh, figuring out who's the, the smartest. And um, anyways, the, the, the little boy came forward. And I asked him, so how far is these from the west? And he was thinking for a moment, like, and uh, just to kind of put him out of his misery, I told him, like, you can't measure it. So he was trying to figure out how, how far is the east is from the west. The point is this, there's no measurement. There's no measurement. God has forgiven. God has cleared out our sins completely. He hasn't wiped it underneath the rug, as some people think. Like, it's, it's not like, it's hidden now for time and then it will be revealed again. No, it is gone. It is taken away. And then in Acts verse, uh, verse 22 from chapter 13 says, And when he had removed him, he raised up, and this is talking about David and Saul. And so Saul was removed and he raised up unto them David to be their king. And to whom also he has given testimony and said, I have found, this is God, 
I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart which shall fulfill all my will. God is all-knowing, right? So God declares these words knowing what David was going to do. Bathsheba and Bathsheba's husband. Adultery and then murder. But David is called a man after my own heart. Why? Because David leaned on and trusted in God's grace more than he leaned on and trusted in his good works. We need to become so convinced, so persuaded, so overwhelmed by God's goodness like David was, so that when we fall, when we make a mistake, whether it's willfully or unwillfully, whether it's coincidence, whatever the circumstances, it does not matter. The truth of the matter is this, that your sin has been forgiven. You are God's child. You are called a man or a woman after God's own heart when you believe that very truth. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Pleasing God is believing what He's done for you more than you believe and trust on what you're doing for Him. Man, that is simple Christianity there for us. We need to stop complicating what it means to be a Christian. And start believing what the Word of God says. It is simple. Believe God above all else. Believe what He says about you above all else. And you will be called a man or woman after His own heart. We are completely freed from the nature of sin. How can I say that? Because that's what the Bible says. The flow of God's Spirit, and this is, we're going to look at some scripture now. The flow of God's Spirit in us and through us is dependent on us being convinced of this very truth, that we've been freed from a nature of sin. How do you know if you're convinced of this truth? Because if I asked all of us here this morning, do you believe that you, your sinful nature is completely gone? Do you believe that you've been freed from the nature of sin? I think most of us would say like, yeah, no, I believe that. But how do you know whether you truly believe this truth? A good question, a number of questions to ask is, what feelings do you experience when you sin? How do you feel in that moment? What comes to your mind? Do you feel like you need to be punished? I'm not now I'm talking about necessarily physical punishment. Do you feel like you need to be separated from God for a moment and just kind of go and sit in the corner, so to speak? What feelings are you experiencing when you sin, when you make mistakes? Do you withdraw from community? Do you stop wanting to be at church, going to life group? Wanting to read your Bible, talk to God? Are those some of the feelings or thoughts come to your mind? Do you feel like you need to repay a debt, work back and to get into God's good books? Do you feel unworthy? If you've answered yes to any of those feelings, any of those thoughts, you're not truly convinced that your sinful nature has been dealt with and that you are in right standing with God not just one day a week, not just two days a week, not just a portion of your week, but 24-7, you are in right standing with God. Your position is this, seated with 
Christ with Jesus in heavenly places. That is your reality. Yes, in this world your condition might be sin. You might be making mistakes. But that is not your, 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 your position. Your position doesn't change. Your conditions and circumstances can change. David's circumstances changed. Amidst that horrible sin, both of those sins, God was still seeing him as a man of his own heart. How much more for us living on this side of the cross, Jesus completing this work for us. We need to become convinced of this. And I'll try and convince you this morning, but you'll have to choose and you'll have to purpose to walk out this journey with God. I'm going to give you scriptures. I'm going to give you a word. And you have to take this word and go and sit and, and sift through this word with Jesus on your own time because this is a hard truth to understand because we're very much carnal. We're living in a performance society where we get rewarded when we do good. Right? We get promotions. We get uh, bonuses and things like that when we do good. In school, you, you get a golden star when you do good and then it gets taken away from you when you do bad. I get that. That's the world we're living in. And there's, 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 there's good in some of that. But it's not good when we take that thinking and we're going to apply it to our relationship with God. That's what made the people, the Jews, the Pharisees, that, that's what made them miss Jesus, the very Messiah walking with them, living among them. They missed Him. Because they went to the Lord, they went to the Scriptures thinking that the purpose of that was to walk in them, to fulfill them, to be right with God by doing those things. And Jesus said, no, 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 you missed the point. All of these things, their intent, their purpose was to point and show you towards me. We need to build a default response system. We need to build a default response system. What is that? Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. This needs to become our default response system when we fall, when we make a mistake. And so I want to encourage you, it's important to, to memorize the word. To, to, and even if you don't know it word for word, obviously there's different translations, but it's important to, to memorize the word, to, to plant it in your heart, so that when you make a mistake, you can respond with something that is based on the word. And it says this, Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence in it, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So when you're in your lowest low and you make the stupidest, stupidest mistake, don't think on that mistake. Don't, don't allow your thoughts to... To magnify that mistake and magnify the consequences of it. Yes, if you make certain mistakes, there will be consequences. For example, if you speed at 160, 180 kilometers on the N1, well, Michael is going to sort you out. Well, Michael's a police officer, for those of you who don't know. We're not holding it against him. Um, continue to pray for him and the, the work that they are doing. So certain mistakes will have consequences. But when we make mistakes, whatever it may be, we're not called to, to camp there and magnify the mistakes. 
We're called to magnify Jesus and what He's done for us, like David did. Giving praise to God, reminding himself that his sins are forgiven. It's been blotted out. Looking forward to the coming Messiah. Think about these things. What is true? What is true about you? Yes, your condition might say X, Y, or Z, but your position is seated with Christ. You are holy. You are blameless. That is what God calls you. Yes, you might not act holy, but just because you're not acting holy doesn't mean that you aren't holy. I love this example, and, and Chris isn't at a stage. No, he's at a stage now. He's, he's, he's roaring like a dinosaur. I think that's what he's trying to do. He's dinosaur or lion. But he, he puts his hands up and then he's a rawr. So it's some type of animal. Now, just because he's roaring like, say, for example, a lion, does that make him a lion? No. He's roaring like a lion. So he, he, he comes across to try and be a lion. In the same way, roaring like a lion does not make him a lion. It doesn't change his DNA. Guess what? In the same way that when you sin, it does not make you a sinner. You're acting like one. Chris is acting like a lion, but that does not make him a lion. When you sin, you're acting like a sinner, but it does not make you a sinner if you receive the Spirit of God. Because when you receive the Spirit of God, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You were a sinner. You received God. You are saved by grace. And you are now a saint, His child, His holy one. Romans 6, 6 to 8 says, Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? Former identity, talking about the former nature. You had a former nature, a nature of sin. That former identity is now forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with Him. Talking about Jesus, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. You cannot, by focusing on the world, the Buddhists, the, 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 the Muslims, if they haven't received the Spirit of God, they can try and live holy. They can try and act holy. But it doesn't change their nature. In the same way, you as a believer, as a child of God, you can act contrary. You can do sin and things like that, but it does not change your nature if you receive the Spirit of God. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's not about changing your behavior. It's about changing your belief. We need to come to believe that we were co-crucified. Our former identity has been crucified with Him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. That's a good comparison, right? If a person is dead, they can't do anything. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, that's Jesus, we know that we will also share in the fullness of His life. But the question is this, what are you submitting to? What are you yielding to? Because just because you receive the Spirit of God does not mean by default it is going to come out to the surface. Because we consist and we comprise of a three parts. We're three part beings. 
God is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And us too, we've got three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit has been transformed, completely made new. That is the part of you that was co-crucified with Christ. That is the identity of yours that has been crucified. Dead, dead. It's been made dead, dead. And now you've got a new spirit, but that spirit and the reality of that now needs to bring about transformation. And the only way that that is going to come to the surface is by you changing what's going on here. And that's where religion has handicapped a lot of the church. Legalism has handicapped a lot of the church because they've been transformed and they've received a holy nature full of God and His fullness, but they still see themselves as sinners. And if you see yourself as a sinner, guess what you'll do? You'll live in sin. Because as a man thinks in his heart so easy, if you think that sin has got a hold on you, guess what it will do? It will have a hold on you. The mind is a powerful thing. Our thinking, our thoughts are super powerful. And it can shape the way that we see and experience everything in this life. And that is why we need to take captive our thoughts. Paul writes about this. We need to take captive our thoughts and bringing them subject to Christ. What does that mean? If I sin, if I make a mistake and I want to think I'm a sorry sinner, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because that's contrary to the Word. The Word says that you are a saint. So I need to take that thought captive and say, no, in Jesus' name, that is not true about me. And that is why it's vitally important for us to become students of the Word. Not just hearers of the Word. Students hearing the Word, responding to the Word, acting on the Word. Because that brings about fruitfulness and change. When we're submitting to the Word of God, Jesus experienced a complete transformation in His resurrection. Immortality in His body. No more temptations, no more carnality, no more tiredness. When Jesus was walking the earth, He got tired, He slept. He wasn't awake 24-7 all of His life. Because He was living in a physical body still. But when He was resurrected, there was no more of that. In a similar way, not completely, but in a similar way, we to have experience a total transformation in our nature you were bound by sin you were captive to sin every person in this world if they don't know and they haven't experienced jesus and they haven't received christ and they're not transforming their thinking or, or changing their thinking to that truth everyone will be bound to sin will be captive to sin But we too, like Jesus, received a new nature, complete transformation. We too in our spirits have received a new nature, complete transformation. We are no longer bound by sin. Verse 9 from Romans 6 says, Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. So that's the other truth we, we get to celebrate this morning. When we die, it's not the end. Death does not have a hold on you. You don't need to fear death. For by the death he died, he died to sin. Again, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. 
and the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourself. Say consider. Consider yourself. Think about this. Make this your default. Consider yourselves also dead. We need to prioritize this. We need to be intentional about this truth. Consider yourself dead to sin. Your relation to it broken. But alive to God. Living in unbroken fellowship with Him. Those two thoughts are key. Considering yourself dead to sin. But more importantly, firstly, consider yourself in unbroken union with God. Because God does not have fellowship with sin. He has fellowship with holiness. And that's why Jesus had to die. To take your sin. To clear it out. To blot it out. So that when you receive Christ, you receive His holiness. And now you can enjoy unbroken fellowship with the Holy God. Because as He is holy, so too you are holy. So that is the truth. But you need to consider this. You need to be mindful of this. Because when you make mistakes, guess what? When you sin, guess what? You're going to have opportunity to condemn yourself. That shouldn't surprise you. You're going to have opportunity to condemn yourself. And that's why the word is full of exhortations and, and instructions to remember. Do you remember? <laughs> Sorry, that's, the, uh, that's my carnality, guys. Imagine that, that the guy up front uh, can also be carnal. We need to remember these things. We need to stir to remembrance what we've received, what Jesus has done for us. Because it is easy to forget. Man, I think for all of the married couples here, you can, you can attest of this. When, when your spouse has, a, has an off day, Difficult to remember the good days. Yo, man, you, in that moment, it's like an off day. You're like, this is just the worst. My life is the worst. None of you, none of you have ever done that. Take another example. If you just like, in any friendship, your, your friend has an off day, or you just, you just yourself have, have an off day, and you're like, life is bad. Like, I've only had two meals today. Life is bad, like, man, load shedding. I know load shedding is bad. I know it's frustrating. Guess what? You still have electricity. You still have running water. You still have a whole cupboard full of clothes. I know, I, know some, I don't know some of you here this morning, but I know, most likely than not, you've got more than five sets of shirts, five sets of pants, there's some people in this world that go their whole life with one pair of pants, one shirt. Don't even have shoes. There are people like that. What are you, why are you unthankful? A good word? It's good. It's, we need to be challenged because we can easily fall into carnality and self-centeredness. And falling into carnality and self-centeredness does not glorify God. And we are called to bring glory to God. 
and bring, bringing glory to God is as simple as believing God's word, what he says about us more than what we are experiencing in any given moment. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin. In the same way that Jesus died, he will never die again. In the same way that he was resurrected and he overcame sin and death. In that same way, you've got that spirit that is freed from sin. A life of sin, being bound by sin. Legalism says when you sin, make sure that you do enough good to outweigh the bad you've done. We have to retrain our minds to believe what the word of God says about us. Romans 6, 12 to 14 says from the message, and we're coming to a close. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your lives. Don't give at the time of day. Don't even run a little er- or don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny and any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. From the King James it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. The only way that sin can control your life, have dominion over you, is by you not knowing who you are and what Jesus has done for you and who the Spirit of God is in you. That's the only way. Because the truth of the matter is that we have been set free. And the only way that we can feel like we're in bondage, or the only way that we can continue living in this old way, is by not knowing something. This brings me to the story of Hiru Unada. Who's ever heard of Hiru Unada? Philip raised his hand. I don't know if he's joking with me. But um, you can ask him more about Philip Unada um, afterwards. But it brings us to this, this, this point in this illustration that sin can only keep you in bondage if you don't know that you've been set free. Hiru Unada was a Japanese soldier who fought in the Second World War. And this is a true, true, uh, true story. And there's many stories similar to this. But this one is extreme because Hiro Nada was fighting in the, the Second World War as a young man. And then the war was over. The war came to an end. But guess what? Hiro Nada was on an island. And he was doing um, uh, kind of the more technical side of things. Like uh, I can't remember all the technical terms. But he had a specific task, a specific assignment. And so he was in isolation, a little bit of isolation. And guess how long Hiro Nada was still fighting a war that was over? 30 years. For 30 years, Hiro Nada was set free from a war, but yet was still fighting that very war. Christians today are still living in bondage to sin, not knowing that they've been set free. From that. Are you still fighting against sin? Are you still fearing death? Then you 
need to come to believe the Word of God and trust that the Word of God is true beyond your experiences, beyond what's going on around you. Verse 15 to 16 from the Passion, Romans 6 says, What are we to do then? So now considering all of these things, the question is, what are we to do then? Should we sin to our heart's content since there's no law to condemn us anymore? What a terrible thought. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully, for you surrender yourselves to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, He will lead you into perfect righteousness. You can be set free from something, yet still experience the bondage to that very thing. As we see in the example of Hiru Nada, as we maybe experience in our own lives. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm still struggling with this and I'm still struggling with that. I still feel bound to this thing. I haven't experienced freedom in this area. And I'm not saying that's not true. I'm not saying that's not a reality for you currently. But we need to implant this truth and become more convinced of this truth. And allow the Spirit to reveal to us the implication of this truth. So that it doesn't just stay intellectual. Because I'm sharing truth with you from the Word of God. But the same truth I can share with an unbeliever. And it's not going to mean anything to them. But now I'm sharing it in a group with believers. I believe all of you are. And if you aren't, we'll give you opportunity to receive Christ. But this truth needs to become your default. You need to become more persuaded of this truth than anything else. Because otherwise, in the same way that Hiru Nada was living in bondage for 30 years after his, his bondage has been broken, you will still live in bondage. And you will never experience freedom from the very things that you are feeling is keeping you in bondage. You have been set free. You need to come to believe this. Freedom starts with knowing that there's freedom and then daily choosing. For all of us, there's a daily choice. For all of us, daily choosing to believe that truth beyond anything else. In your moments of weakness, as David had moments of weakness, so too, you will probably have moments of weakness. But the more you become convinced of this very truth and the more you're growing in the reality of Christianity, God's Spirit in us, man, the more you behold the Father, not your former Father. Every person born in this earth is bound to sin, the nature of sin, held captive to that. But every person born again is born into a new family, a new Father. And the more we behold Him, the new man, our new identity, the more we'll be transformed into that very image. As Corinthians also says, from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Recognizing and identifying more. Recognizing and identifying more with our resurrection in Christ. He's spread in us than the former man that we were sinners. John 3.3 says, Jesus answered him, I assure, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again and new from above, he cannot ever see, know, or be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. This is the reality of Christianity. We are born again from above 
He spread it in us. Seeing as He sees. Seeing ourselves free from the corruption of this world. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. That is talking about the Spirit of God in us. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped to corrupt desires that are of the world. If you're feeling like you're still bound to sin, the corruption that is in this world, it's because you are believing a lie more than you are believing a truth. That is what the Word says. It's not Etienne. This is what the Word is saying. The Word is continually reiterating truth to us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But guess what? He was crucified because people didn't believe Him. But praise God, He didn't stay dead. He was resurrected and God's plan was perfected through His obedience to die on our part. Last two scriptures, Romans 6, 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified. Say crucified. With Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Say I am no longer a slave to sin. That is the truth. That is you speaking a truth out over your life. Now that truth needs to become revelation. Because if that truth does not become revelation, it is just going to be a nice thing that you've read, that you've said. But truth in itself cannot change you. It is the truth that you know. And John 8 verse 32, the truth that it's talking about we knowing, that knowing is not just the knowing like you are knowing and hearing what I'm saying now. It's a knowing that goes beyond just hearing something. It is it becoming personal to you. So much so that it doesn't matter how stupid you act in any given day. I will not give condemnation a moment of time in my heart or in my mind. I'll reject that. I speak a truth of God's word above any circumstance that I go through. But I haven't gotten to that place just because I woke up one day and I felt like it. No, I don't always feel like it, but I choose to believe the Word of God and go by what God's Word says about me more than anything else. Because as Roman ex explains it to us in, in chapter 6, we can daily choose what we become servants to by obeying something or surrendering to something. And James says, submit yourselves to God, surrender to God and His Word. Yield to, believe what His Word says about you. And guess what will happen? You'll be exalted. Romans 8, 1-2 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? How do you know whether you're in Christ Jesus? If you've said yes to Jesus. Then you are in Christ. He is in you. You've become one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says that He that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit. You share the same spirit as the holy God who created and formed this world. 
And because you have that spirit, you've got new DNA, a new nature. And because of that, there's no condemnation for you. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ, Jesus, from the law of sin and death. Man, that is powerful. Sin will no longer have dominion over you because you are not under law, you are under grace. But you choose whether you're going to submit to the law in your thinking, being religious, being legalistic, having a performance mindset, or whether you're going to choose to submit your thinking to the grace and the love of God who died for you, gave Himself for you, so that you can always have right standing with God, so that you can always have His Spirit living in you. In your lowest low, in your highest high, He's promised He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never condemn you. You can condemn yourself. People can condemn you. But God Himself will never condemn you. Why do you value more in your life? Your own thoughts, the people around you, or do you value God's Word and His thoughts above you more? It's a choice that we all get to make. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.